Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red as we look forward to the biggest game for Nottingham Forest in 23 years with the Reds taking on Huddersfield Town in the playoff final at Wembley. A great occasion to look forward to and discuss the build-up to the game. I'm joined, first of all, by former Red striker David Johnson. Hello, Jono. Are you well? Morning. How's everyone? Yes, very well. Thank you. Uh, happy birthday to Brennan. We should say, first of all, 21 today. So, yeah, we were saying beforehand, I hope you don't feel too old, but good of you to join us. Uh, that's all right. And our second guest today, returning to the show, is a man who's just eaten a terrible biscuit in the <laughs> Oh, so you just had a I enjoyed it. So I don't care what you two think about my business choice. It's, <laughs> it's purely, it's purely as John and you two will attest to. It's guided solely by the kids, and it's so if the kids like them. Um, oh, that's it. Yeah, it's not about twenty-one. That's ridiculous. And Johnson's twenty-one. Bloody the youngest as well. <laughs> well, talking to an old man here, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was going to pick a bone with your shoes as well, Prutz, having seen you on Instagram, but I feel like I'm piling well, in on you. Hang on, hang on. A, a picture that I put on Instagram of some shoes. Are they your shoes? They're absolutely not my no shoes. Chance. My no, David God. would not wear shoes like that. A, yeah. they're probably too expensive, and John knows how tight I am. And B, yeah. that, I mean, I, I mean, they're, they're not were, even a shoes. great conversation piece with the, the man in question who didn't give a flying whatever we thought about his shoes and wore them with real kind of pride and confidence so fair play whose shoes were they just we should start uh, podcasting but whose shoes were they there's uh, a reporter for sky sports called mark mcadam does a lot oh, of yeah. uh, work down on the south coast they were his shoes wow he must have a few quid <laughs> it must be that must be the case yeah mine are mine are all freebies but he must have some cash you know they yeah. were lively. It's even hard to describe them. Some kind of <laughs> weapons on them, spikes or something. I, 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 I just presume before, yeah, let's get onto the football and stuff. But I just presume they were from a specialist shop, if you know what I mean. They, that's <laughs> all I thought. I didn't know how to word it on this. <laughs> they sort of are. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's talk uh, Forest and the, well, I'll say the playoff final. Let's go back to Tuesday, first of all. Um, we've got the perfect guest to have on in Jono. I mean, me and you, Prutz, were stressed to the roof, through the roof. Gono, <laughs> watching in the stands with flashbacks of 2003 going through your head, no doubt, and your boy on the penalty spot to take one in the shootout. How was that for you? See, I was all right then. When they got into extra time, Sheffield United had run out of steam and they'd, um, they didn't make any of the substitutions. And Forrest gradually grew into extra time and started to create some chances. When we got to penalties, I just thought that Bryce had played so well and he'd got to the stage where I know how hard Forrest had worked on penalties. So even to the details of where they wanted Sheffield United to stand, where they wanted the players to stand and who was taking them, they'd practised for weeks and weeks and weeks and they got it off to a tee because the manager, you know, no one uh, stone unturned, 
had worked so hard of where the positioning was and he'd worked on the penalties. Even the players who were taking the penalties had worked on other goalkeepers where they were diving. So everything had been put into place. And luckily enough, the players that were, were going to take the penalty were all on the field. So they had a lot of confidence and it looked that way when they went in them. And, you know, we were luckily it was a home game. So, uh, you know, it didn't surprise me. And, you know, Bryce was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Did you have a word with Brennan about his penalty as a striker? Do you th- are you tempted as his dad as well? Or did you stay oh, out of that? Not at all. He's taken penalties ever since he's been at Forest. And there's always a pecking order. <laughs> and <laughs> Grabs is the captain and he takes penalties. And then we probably have the best penalty taker in the UK, in Lyle. And he's <laughs> the penalty taker when he's available. So Brennan's always had to wait behind. And, you know, fortunate for him, they both uh, weren't available. So he was always confident in taking penalties. And uh, it was, for me, how good your goalkeeper is. Because you one-on-one, you shouldn't miss. But the occasion takes over. And, uh, you know, I think that Forrest were excellent in them. Yeah, I mean, Pratt's off. I found work as a useful distraction, and you probably had the same on Sky. But uh, how, how were you watching it? Were you as confident as Jono they were going to win that penalty shootout? I must admit, I wasn't really. But you know, I, they did, I so think when you saw the approach of Brees, and we've, we've talked about him a lot, haven't we, over the course of the season with regards to being um, first choice and perhaps when we'd seen him drop out of the side and he's, he's had a couple of little bits and bobs to to work through. And I think that's probably stood him in good stead mentally and emotionally for doing something like this. The two key saves in the game in general play, I thought probably set him up for the penalty shootout. And he's got a demeanour, he's, um, he's got a way of approaching a football match. Well, we spoke about after the derby game where he, he ran 40 yards to come and give his feedback on Ravel Morrison getting sent off, which obviously is needed from a goalkeeper. That's nothing to do with anything that's going on on the bit. Um, but it, it, that sense of um, showmanship isn't the word. There's a performative element of what he does. And he, and he did absolutely that. And I, I've never seen a goalkeeper dominate a penalty shootout from that. This, no. The saves were exceptional. The reaction save, which tipped it onto the bar, which I think was his, was his second save. Yeah. I mean, there's an element where you go and it's been hit down the middle and it's hit the goalkeeper. It's not. It's just an unbelievable reaction save to be able to get your hand up that quickly and have a strong wrist enough to push it up and away from goal. Um, and you can get a bit cynical sometimes when you see a game such as that with that level of support because all the way through, um, from unfurling the huge banner on, in the Trent end and, and how um, the game ebbed and flowed and the nerves that were involved in it and the emotion in the stadium, um, sometimes that can work against the team, but I, it's a forest side, I think. And I, I'm really intrigued to see what Jono's take on this. Is it because we're talking about it with the, with hopefully an air of objectivity? But it, watching your, I say, little lad who's 21 today, which is staggering, um, do that and perform in that and be able to handle that. Is, is he is he just naturally like that? Is it? Is he, he seems like a very level-headed he's, kid. Obviously, he takes he's after his mother. Very, very, very. Of, um, <laughs> that he does. In the sense of how he approaches it. He, he seems like, and we're not saying that just because you're his dad and you're with us, but yeah. A, he seems like a nice kid. B, he seems like a very level-headed professional footballer, which has helped him so far, hasn't it? Yeah, he's um, very, very laid back. Um, not really bothered about outside noise. Um, I think the way they get brought up in the Forest Academy, you also have to be good people, first of all. 
and he's very humble down to earth and all the other stuff doesn't really bother him and and I think when you go into the first team you have to get the trust of the players you have to be good for one and he's very laid back but after the game he said he was really nervous in extra time right but when he got to penalties he was fine because if you would have said to somebody what is a neutral oh about Bryce Hammer that oh he's unbelievable but until you actually read what he he put on the water bottle mm. that's not luck that's hard work and dedication yeah, yeah. preparation and, as well isn't it yeah. yeah and it actually said dive stand still dive stand still and the one that he actually stood still and it come off his hand and hit the crossbar that was my favorite save because <laughs> that's homework for you because you have to be brave if I was a goal mm. you know I'd be dive off every single one of them because <laughs> you have to give yourself a chance don't you but it looks but like you're doing something as well doesn't it like if, if, exactly. you, if I stand there and he rolls it in the corner I look like a bit of a melanier because I've uh, of not course done to try um, and save it, yeah. it, it came off and uh it was brilliant, but he's found the season um, very um, demanding, obviously. But he just goes into every game knowing his teammates. They play well. They do the right things. He doesn't have... The manager doesn't say too much to him, so he's not one of these that gives him a lot of responsibility. He's just allowed to go out and play and enjoy himself. And that's um, a massive plus on his side. Um, and they do a lot of work in the training ground, one-on-one -on -one with the manager to improve his performance. And he's taken it on board and, you know, he likes that. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't that laid back when he flew into Paul Heckingbottom on the touchline. I enjoyed that. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was, you know, I said to him before the game, I said, you know, just play your game, don't play the occasion. And that is what happens in the playoffs. Anything goes off, it's... The fans, you know, our crowd, obviously, things that happened in that game would never really happen in a lot of games. And that mm. was down to the atmosphere and what was on at stake. And I'm sure Paul Heckingbottom probably looks back at that now, maybe with a tinge of embarrassment. But he's probably never done that before. Not a hecky he, thing to do that at all. Not is at it? all. I'll be like you, John. We, we, we kind of went, that's that's absolutely when you talk to him, when you spend any time with him. Um, and let's let's be honest. We're not talking about robots in football. There is as much as obviously it's the, it's a fan-led and responsible game. There's huge things at stake for the manager that's involved in Sheffield United for where Sheffield United to go. What next season's going to look like off yeah. the back of the end of this season? So of course, it's only that human element to it, isn't it? And I actually think that Sheffield United were under more pressure than we were because mm. they've only just come out of the Premier League, and he took over before Steve Cooper got in. They've got a massive squad. But luckily for us, all their strikers are injured. Mm. And they still had a lot of quality. And for him to have shown his frustration that way, because if you've met him, he's not... If Stuart McCall had done it, I'd have thought, yeah, he tackles, <laughs> you know, like how he played. Or maybe Jack had lost his head, but not him. And that, for me, was a show of how big the occasion was. And what happened in the first game, you know, they thought we over-celebrated for the second goal. And they used that as the fire in their belly to rile us up. And, you know, it, it probably goes back to old school. Let's get into stuck into them early. And they did. And they tried to kick Brennan <laughs> off the field. And But that's what I would do. If I was in the other dugout, 
just give him a taste early on and, and they did it and to be fair over the 90 minutes it worked for them mm, true true i want you could sort of touch on one thing one thing i wanted to ask you both on as former pros to get your take i mean forest was so comfortable in a sense if he can be in a playoff game at half time with that two goal advantage the second half was probably the, perhaps the worst they played under Steve in terms of football is couldn't get a pass going is that pressure or is it easier for Sheffield United to chase the game I mean you've both been there but I'll come to you first Prats what, what happened from your point of view chasing the game I, yeah because I mean, you're free aren't you I suppose if you're Sheffield United you know you've got to attack Forest. yeah and but I mean th- there is no that because we were talking about it before but being able to do that, but also realising what a great strength of this Forest side is, which is ridiculous pace on the counter-attack, means that if you do go too gung-ho, then you've got a, you've got opportunities afforded to the opposition to really kill the game off. And as you said about the first leg, there were so many. Um, and with that goal that was scored right at the death by Sander Berger, did set it up nicely from like a neutral um, entertainment perspective, uh, going into the second half, into the second leg. But... I thought it, the pace of the play wasn't necessarily there in the first portion of the first half of Forest. It was maybe a sense of trepidation. Um, but it was always going to be a game, especially over two legs, where you're not going to dominate the full proceedings all the way through, are you? You're going to have a... And you're playing, let's not forget, and, and John has said it perfectly before, you're playing against a side that was just in the Premier League. There are there a good bunch of players who know how to get promoted, A lot, a lot of them. And it's a squad that's had a lot of money spent on it. So at some stage, it was going to be having to work through it. But what Steve's managed to instill in the players is there's a calmness, I think. Even though perhaps sometimes the rhythm of the game isn't there, I didn't see or feel Forrest panicking at all. And again, it wasn't necessarily a structural change that was needed. It was more of a thought process in the sense of it's going to be a long game. It's a long game if you sit back on a a 2-1 lead for the whole of 90 minutes plus possibly extra time. But at some stage, Sheffield United were going to burst into life. And they did in the second half. And um, I think it stands them in better stead for, the, for what, poss- what is obviously the greater test to come on Sunday. That That's in the bank now. And without trying to tweely spin it in a positive sense. But that's in the bank. And they know that they can come back if things don't go quite their way in the final. Because as we know, it's, it's now the most important game that probably Forrest are going to be entered into for a generation. Yeah, me saying they played badly is um, not the right word. They didn't play badly defensively. I think they didn't get their flowing football going is what I mean. Um, Jono, tell us what happened in your your take. That's just the same as yourself. Um, the, the, the two boys in midfield couldn't get on the ball um, and we were forced to go uh, back to front very, very quickly. And that happened because we scored from it. So when we scored and the ball went out to McKenna and then uh, Sam Surridge got in, crossed the ball, went in, we kept on forcing that too quickly. And then we gave away possession too quickly. And to be fair to Sheffield United, they played some excellent football. They were confident. They played with a swagger. The two front men, especially Morgan Gibbs-White, who was an excellent footballer, controlled the game and they had experience. But the problem was they missed a great chance in the first five minutes, the last five minutes. But until then, they dominated possession and they were a real threat. And if we would have probably played at Bramall Lane, 
I don't think the outcome would have been the same. I just thought that our fans, the noise, they were willing us on. And I think it's the first time we've conceded two goals at home since I think it was Blackburn or when we got beat before Christmas. I mean, Fulham game. So they were very confident defensively. And I actually think defensively is probably the strongest attribute of that squad. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, before we come on to one other thing about the game, a quick shout out. Both strikers really were brilliant over the two, but Jono, from a striker's point of view, I mean, Keenan changed the game, didn't he? I, I don't think Forrest won without Keenan, and Joe Lolly did well, but Keenan was exceptional off the bench, wasn't he? Yeah, we've got a good squad, and when everyone's fit, the manager has problems, you know, to pick his best starting eleven. When Grabs had gone out, he scored 12 goals just in December. He was flying. He he got injured. We got Keenan in. We got Sam in. Sam scored nine goals in, I think, you know, four or five starts and, you know, 15 appearances. Keenan's been a breath of fresh air. So we've got so many versatile, different types of strikers. Different games need different players. And we were crying out for Keane in that game. Just that physical presence. And probably Bournemouth as well, we missed him hugely. Mm. Mm. Just to get hold of the football. To cause their defenders a real, real problem physically, knowing that they were in a game. And Brennan and Sam are the complete opposite. So when he did come on, it was that change in right. The back three can now get further up the field. We can actually get a few more passes in. And when he came on, that's what happened. And that's when I believed when we came into you know, extra time, his pace and power was always going to cause problems. And some of the clips of him bouncing off three or four players and <laughs> rolling through, that's him at his best. So when he's on it, Forrest are a completely different side. So prior to the prior putting John on the spot a bit if I ask him who should start. But Marlon Harewood last week was Adam and Keenan should start in the final. I mean, does it <laughs> does it matter who starts? There's two ways to look at it, isn't there? Who who would you um, go with? Well, I, I think given, again, what John was saying there, you've got two players there that do distinctly different things, but in similar positions. Um, I think maybe going into that second leg would have would have been the fitness of Keenan. Would that have been a debate in the sense of whether he would start or not? Is that another week? Uh, well, yeah. another week. Now, on it by the time he gets to that Sunday, where if he can go hell for leather for an hour for Forrest and do some serious damage in the first hour of the game, then you've got that chance to switch and maybe yeah. bring Sam on. But I think, and defensively, how well Huddersfield have improved since last season. It's yeah. a real... It's a real tactically astute side they're going to be coming up against. But if you get someone like Keenan who can bring that physical threat, because there is there's, there's, there's a school of thought, isn't there, when you look at a, uh, a playoff final where you kind of think like slow and steady wins the race. We, we've seen in, in the odd game where if you go out all guns blazing, you get a pretty decent lead and, and you get you see some teams actually enjoy it, which Brentford is crazy, that, really. Yeah. Exactly. And they were home and hosed, really, weren't they? Given yeah. the way that Ivan went set about um, yeah. Swansea. So... Maybe there is an element of that. Maybe you look at what Steve was involved and maybe he sees an element of that as well, knowing that that could be the way that a playoff final pans out. But I've what I've been with Sam, you get the feeling that he was making it for a bit of lost time, as Keenan was as well. But what I've really enjoyed about watching Keenan is, yes, he's obviously very physically strong and very capable, but it's close control. And the way he manipulates a football is a joy to watch, really. And that, that yeah. does bring an added 
silkiness to the kind of steel that he's got as well. So between the two of them, I mean, if you ask me who would start, and obviously my knowledge of how to put this team together is paling in comparison to what Steve Cooper can do. But I'd like to see Keenan give it a blast, even though Sam deserves that a starting berth. If you get Keenan up front and he blows apart the playoff final, it'll be a joy to watch. Yeah, yeah. I'll let you skip that one, Donna, if you want. It's not really <laughs> <laughs> the team. That's fine. Um, one other thing I want to talk about the game, which is a pertinent issue now across mm. football, weirdly, all of a sudden, we saw it at Man City and Everton and Port Vale and everything, is the pitch invasion. I mean, you know, obviously Forest fans were celebrating. If it could have gone the other way, it might have been Sheffield United fans on the pitch. And then there's kind of a safety issue with your son on the pitch, Jono. So you might have a different perspective on it. What do you think about these pitch invasions? So... I think it's um, shocking. Um, for me, it didn't start with just the end of the season. It started off when these young kids or people going on asking for shirts. And I thought to myself, well, if it's that easy for mm. a 10-, 12-year-old to run on the pitch and uh, to get a shirt or ask for a shirt, you're asking for problems. And when we played Bournemouth away, I can remember... We were stuck behind uh, on the side of the pitch, and most of our players had sort of got to safety, but Jed was stuck near the goals, and three stewards had to help Jed to get off the pitch, and fans went after him, and Jed stood his ground, but luckily there was nothing said or nothing done, and oh, it's okay, it's Bournemouth, they're celebrating. But it had been so easy for the Forest fans just to jump over the little hoarding mm. and start a fight. Uh, but luckily enough, nothing happened from it. But in the last couple of weeks, I think Roy Keane hit the nail on the head. Since COVID, people just don't know how to behave. And I can, we went to Coventry the first game of the season. There's like 4,500 fans there. Drinking, the abuse, it was... I think it's got to a level now where they think it's free to just turn up to a game, half cut the abuse they give, and then it rises on social media. You know, we were lucky that, you know, only a couple of fans, was it one fan who ran on the pitch and jumped on? He got arrested. Mm. And that was the start of everything, and it's just snowballed. But this week has been, I think it's been really bad, and it's like brought English football back into the dark ages where we're all thinking, I'll just get the barriers back up then. Mm, mm. What do you think about props? I mean, that's an option, but it's a scary option, isn't it? It's a very scary option because then football looks a different way and it harks back to yesteryear, but also tragedies of yesteryear as well, which can't be taken lightly. And there was a lot of thought and a lot of deliberation and a lot of work going into making football accessible, making it a safe place for people, families, etc., to go and enjoy themselves. Um, there was something I heard on the radio today about um, talking about getting on a football pitch and it being a privilege of the players and the management. And you kind of, I kind of thought, it's a really good point, you know. It's a really good point. That's not to say that people, footballers are any better than anyone else or managers are any better than anyone else, but that's their place of work. It's a place of worship for fans. And I totally yeah. get that. There's, there's, there's decades worth of history piled into the city ground and it's watched average footballers like me. It's watched superb footballers like Jono and it's watched people conquer Europe and it's watched teams get into the Premier League and, it, and it's done all of that type of stuff. But it, it, it fundamentally boils down to that kind of really tribal nature of what football is. Um, 
and it's funny, and it, it it's, it's it's all variations on the same type of theme. So as as we're doing this on Facebook, and, and as you and there's a fellow called Maurizio that I'm just, I'm going to talk about it because he's been trying. He's been <laughs> can trying you to read the questions. comments? I didn't know I you can, could read. Of course, them. can you know me? Okay. You know me. I, I actively enjoy that type of stuff. And his take on what we do with Sky is that we're incredibly biased against Forest. Now, this is me not dialing Maurizio's opinion down, but I hear that off ev- nearly every single different denomination of fan, regardless of who they support. Why are you nice about these? Why are you nice about these? But we can't. We couldn't have been horrible about every single team across the seventy-two in the EFL. I mean, that I mean that's some going to hate everybody at the same time, isn't it? But that ability to love your team unquestionably is what makes football so very, very special. Now, when we get the point of people coming onto the pitch. It's tough because we were watching it, obviously, at the City Ground on our platform. And it, it it reminds you of games that you would have watched when you were a kid. It reminds you of watching kind of South American football with ticker tape and the celebrations and the emotion and, and everything, the passion that makes football what it is. Because if no one gave a flying about football, we wouldn't be sat here talking. We wouldn't have been able to do it as a job. Um, and, and then it would have been a completely different in- industry. But it's trying to make sense of the senseless. Yeah, someone someone running on and headbutting Billy Sharp, and I was I was trying I was trying to ask Michael Dawson about it, and got halfway through a sentence saying, "There's no place for it on a football. There's no place for that anywhere ever at all." Like, exactly. there's, there's no, I mean, in, a, in in an actual battle, in an actual war on the front line, possibly yeah. anywhere else, it's it doesn't make. And the the reaction from Forest fans, I thought, because of the um the donating to the, the charity of, of Billy's choosing. I think as a, as a as a gesture, is is a superb gesture because that's them categorically saying he does not belong to us. He is not yeah. a Forest fan. He is not a Nottingham Forest supporter. That's we not whatever that is is nothing to do with what happens in here. So you're watching yeah. that and watching on social media, seeing the pictures of uh, families and and sons and fathers and daughters and mothers and and everyone enjoying what that is and how close and what this could possibly mean. I think is an unbelievable. Um, thing to share because, as as Jono says, we spent a portion of time which we never envisaged away from each other, away from loved ones, away from people yeah. that we connect with. So I, I the, it's tough because there is a fine line, and and you wouldn't you understand the celebration, you absolutely because otherwise, if football's all about being reserved and all about it just being results game results game, then it doesn't feel the same way. But if you can't share it, then it makes that collective love of the game so much more diminished. Um, as for the people that run on and go, fan, uh, op- whether it's opposition fans, opposition players, no thanks. No, you're not welcome in football. Don't care if yeah. we ever see your type again. That's I think that's pretty straightforward. But watching it as we did as people that were working on, on it, and I was thinking about this before he came on to so ask John about that. Your little boys in that. What, what if it is... And I'm not using Sheffield United as an example of, of from their fan base point of view, but if that second leg is at Bramall Lane, Forrest lose that second leg, Forrest get knocked out, people are over the boardings. You're sat there as a dad, not as a football fan. You're thinking, well, my little lad's going to get... Something's going to happen here, which, well, is, well, which we could potentially be very disastrous. So when they played in the FA Cup, um, obviously we had that crazy, was it 30 minutes of we were 3-0 up, and Joe Worrell had just scored. And I saw somebody running on. And I thought, initially, it's a Forest fan because mm. he's jumped over the ball and wants to celebrate. And then when I saw what happened, and then Brennan ripping the boy's shirt off, 
I started panicking, thinking, mm. "What's happened there?" And because we were in the crowd, we never knew what had happened. Do you, do you, is your reaction to try and get down I, to I, help? I, he was. Um, if it would have been probably a little closer, but if it had been on our side and somebody, I would have jumped over because mm. he could have had a knife on him for all I yeah. knew. And when you get back, so after the game the police had phoned and he had to then go down to do a statement and said, you know, what did the bloke look like? And Ben was going, well, it's all on TV media. You know what he looks mm. like and what happened. He just said he came on, took a punch at Keenan of all people, caught, Jeez, uh, caught Brennan Bloody on the hell. shoulder. I do not blame the stewards, mm. but he came out the away end to run on and he probably got 20, 30 yards up the field and everyone just stood still. And I think it was a big shock. But you only start worrying afterwards. So mm. when Bournemouth happened, that's when I start worrying about stuff like that. Because for all for me, you should be able to celebrate. Mm. But if they tell you, don't come on the pitch, the player's going to come back out on, and then we can celebrate together. People can't wait, and mm. it's that thuggish thing. It's like Man City yesterday. I mean, People horrendous. breaking their own goalposts. Horrendous. And I'm thinking, what on earth are you doing? And there was like a 12 year old goal girl sat on it, and I go, what type of parent would let your daughter? And then takes the, a the actual dad Brilliant. is taking pictures of her, and I just think, what type of world are we bringing our kids up in now, where they think that is okay? And that's the problem. I think the whole week, but as a parent. It's scary because it's so easy and accessible to get on the field of play nowadays. And if we have to have a barrier that goes up five minutes mm. before the end of the games, it's still not going to stop it because you can still run on. And you know, referees and luckily, no one's ever ran on and you know tried to tap one of those in over here. But it's getting worse, and I actually fear there's going to be something really bad before we have to stop and say, right, we've got to bring the barriers back up. The, the, the thing as well, you mentioned the Bournemouth game. And sorry, we're not going to turn this into us labouring yeah. a point about the safety or, or no. what should be kind of um, kind of legislation with regards to footballers. You're absolutely right about the Bournemouth thing because we were there working on the game on the pitch. Yeah. And th there is... And when you are working in TV, as we do, because it is live TV as yeah. well, and you have people there that are, are, are with us and all that. Um, and you and I understand as a former player, I absolutely get it. And whether that it's because, John, from our point of view, you come through football and, and you've got to be pretty robust as a younger yeah. kid to get from wherever you're playing locally, at junior level, up through into playing professional football. Regardless of what people you think of you as a professional footballer, <laughs> yeah, once you're there, yeah. you've got to be pretty tough and yeah. thick skin to get there. So you kind of take that on the chin. You absolutely do take that on the chin because that is part and parcel. And, and ironically, when, when, as I said about chatting about Forest fans and their opinion on, on, on our opinion on how they were at, at, at Sheffield United and they were fantastic at Sheffield United. And we said how good they were at Sheffield United. We said how many goals they could have scored at Sheffield United. Yeah. If anything, we'd completely written United off until they scored yeah. that last goal. Um and there is that partisan element of it, and where so we did that from pitch side as well. And there's so where we were, there was a young girl that acts as floor manager, who's also a runner for us, fresh out of university. There's a makeup lady. There's there's our little band of people who are minimal and, and hopefully kind of low maintenance. And there's a there's a row of five fellas who are mid forties, fifties, yeah, who you can see as 
messing around. And I'm talking to Michael Brown. I'm talking to Michael Dawson. Uh, and and just spent 15 minutes, I can't repeat it on here, just like absolutely screaming at me for being a former Sheffield Wednesday player when we were in League One. Both of those teams were crap at the time, right? But yeah. Because I was at Sheffield Wednesday. It was like uh, like proper, like the, the bitch. And like I said, it's weird because you just kind of take that on the chin. And, and, and this is a broader debate about what you should take on the chin or not. And, and it's a different thing. And I, I understand that. But that that confrontational side, that edge of what football is, that rivalry, that that tribalism, absolutely makes it what it is. But that element, as 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 Jono was saying there, of danger and that's crept. In, whether it's been more exacerbated this week, because every single night we've had a game on TV. I mean, whether that's our responsibility or fault, that's a different debate as well with regards to Sky Sports. But it seems like there's there's a there's a bracket, there's a demographic of fan who. I will reiterate, is not isn't welcome at football because of the trouble that they're causing. And I think ninety nine percent of the people that rock up to the city ground or the, any supporter that I've ever met in the street loves football, just wants to go and watch football, watch the heroes, and it's escapism. It's 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 what they live and breathe by. But it's almost it taps into, and again, it's making sense of the census. We're trying to sit, we're trying to sit here as hopefully relatively normal people saying, well, why have they done that? You can't explain it because it's it's. Crackers, it's crackers, oh, yeah. but it's almost like, oh, we saw that last night. Let's make sure we get on the pitch tonight. Oh, we saw that last night. Let's make sure we get on the pitch tonight. And yeah. it's just gone round and round and round. And we're coming up to this massive game at Wembley on on Sunday. And I, I can't, I don't think for a minute there's 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 anyone other than people that are tapped that are turn up to Wembley thinking, do you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to make sure, win or lose, I'm getting on that pitch and I'm going to say my thing because it's just not part of what it's about and the stewarding and whether it's policing, whether there's enough resources for championship clubs to spend a shed load of money on uh, police in a football match, but paramount of safety officials and, and supporters, uh, paramount safety is absolutely across the board. But we're also forgetting another thing, which goes back to your Roy Keane point, John, and we'll get onto the football in a second and the final yeah. and all the wonderful, glorious stuff about it is. Where is that self-policing? Just because we've been locked up for two years doesn't mean to say, I'm going to do what I want. No, abs- no, stay there. You've paid yeah. to get in the ground. You've not paid to get on the pitch. See, You've I've paid been... to go on and give a, an opposition player a load of grief. That, that's Your role in this theatre is to be part of what makes the sound and the noise and the colour. Nothing else. Yeah, and I think I've been really lucky this year. And, you know, I'll say this now. I'm not a Nottingham Forest fan as such. You know, I haven't travelled and watched them over the last 10 years since I, or 15 years, 20 years since I played. I watch my son because I'm a fan and, you know, you know, he's an employee of Nottingham Forest and he's been there since he's eight and it's so nice having my son play for the same team. So when I go to away games, there's my wife and we go together I love away games because I look at these people who work hard and the money they have, they travel up and down the country to support this great football club. And I admire every single one. And I've met some unbelievable people from 70, 80-year-olds to 20s. And it's all like the same crowd. But in certain games, Bournemouth for one, there's that old hooligan mentality. People who got tickets turned up wouldn't sit in their seat, spoiling it for everyone else. And 
as the season's got on and we've obviously really kicked on, Peterborough away, we'd sold four and a half thousand tickets. For two thousand of those were the hooligans that had come back again. Mm. And it's uneasy for me because I know that they might run on the pitch or they're there, they've been drinking all day, they've been out on it. And it's that hooligan thing's back. And they don't actually care about the football. It's about them having an amazing time and getting as drunk as they can and causing mm. as much trouble. I would rather the two and a half thousand that go enjoy it and then go home, either in tears because they've lost or on cloud nine because we've won. And I think that's what's coming back. The old, let's just go for the drink, cause some trouble, not bother about the football, and have a day out somewhere. And that, and it's awful. Really, really bad. Matt, yeah. football, come on. Talk about yeah. Wembley and how wonderful a day it could possibly be for, for Forest. Yes, uh, I'll move the conversation on, although I agree with everything you said. And hopefully Mauricio got his answer. He's found the caps lock key finally, so that does help <laughs> in the comments. That's funny, because right. when, when, when we look at like running orders and stuff, mine's always written in capital letters. And I always think, <laughs> is that me? Or it's a bit insulting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, there's no grammar in it. It's, they just realise, <laughs> idiot-proof it for me, and you might have halfway decent show. <laughs> Let's look ahead to the final, then. Um, where's the game Where's the game like this won and lost, do you think? Is it as much in the head as anything, Jono? It, it, it's a, a cup game. Um, there's no point going out and holding on to a draw and then easing your way in. It is literally a cup tie, 90 minutes. We've done well in three of them this year. Um, and as a fan and as a dad, I just hope that Forrest turn up um, and express themselves. And if they do that, they've got a very, very good chance because Huddersfield are one of the most underrated teams. They've done, they finished above us defensively from set pieces. They have so much quality in their team. We've played them three times this year. And they're probably a team that we actually enjoy playing against because they're very good from set pieces. So the players have got to be on it. They hold on to the ball. They've got the boy O'Brien who likes to dictate the pace of the game. They've got Hodge a bit of experience. Colwell at the back who loves to start playing out from the back. And they've probably got one of the greatest EFL strikers in the past 10, 15 years who scores goals out of anything. And Sorba Thomas, the assist king in the championship, mm. they've got quality. And we've got to be on our a game and if we play well and treat it as a cup tie like we've done we, we'll, we'll put ourselves in a good chance Yeah I mean you've probably seen more of Huddersfield than me this season perhaps but John I mentioned Colwell who I think looks great and O'Brien I mean what, what what will Huddersfield bring do you think that Forest fans might not know about um, I mean, you've got a player in Harry Toffolo that's that's hit a ridiculous oh, yes. vein of, of goal yeah. scoring form from fullback. He kind of <coughs> kept himself quite quiet do, doing his first his first job defending, yeah. um, and then it's that's uh, the energy that he shows getting forward um, is phenomenal. Really, I, th I, I spent a bit of time with Carlos. This would have been about seven or eight months ago. So I went to uh, the training ground because it's not far from us up here in Harrogate and. Um, Lee Bromby, a former um, yeah. teammate of mine, uh, invited me in. And 
I, I said, and I'd kind of seen different departments and, he, and he said, go, go and have 20 minutes with the manager. So 50 minutes, nearly an hour after like getting talked at and showing me every single thing about the opposition and what they're looking at for that particular game of the season um, is staggering. And, that, and that's not, and it always, it always makes you kind of laugh when you talk, when managers get lauded for what they put into a game, like it's not something across the board. It's like, oh, Bielsa is so forensic. Well, they, they should all be really, because yeah. that's their job. <laughs> they should know absolutely everything about that. But a lot of that's rubbed off on Carlos. And I think as well, what you might see, given the way the two legs went, and specifically the second leg, Luton were unlucky. Luton were really, I really Luton, I thought Luton were the game. better team. They were the better team. And be it for taking chances... It could be a, we could be talking about a Forest Luton final. So I think he's had a he'll have, they've had a good ten days to think about that. To think about how strategically he nullifies what um, Forest can take going forward. Tom Lee's, I mean, a wonderful ac- acquisition. It's, it's a team that's been made up of frees and loans and an excellent uh, goalkeeper as well. Absolutely, who, who was doing nothing was he? MK Dons. Yeah. He, he was he was away, kind of not troubling the, the pitch, um, and has been fantastic. Got in the team of the year. So there's. It's an in- and I think as well the other dynamic is Forest go into even though that Huddersfield uh, finished where they did I think Forest go into this as favourites because you look See, at what they've done that, especially the, the turn of this I year, don't which, like people saying exactly we, that, that's favorites. a different layer of pressure isn't it a different layer because of pressure they finished third mm. over the season they were the better team consistently mm. over the season they were chasing Bournemouth probably a month before we were and actually I think they got to second at one stage or because Bournemouth were throwing in COVID and players injured and all sorts (laughs) but they they put points on the table and I think that they they should be the favourites because Mm. they finished third they did what it said on the tin they were the third Mm. best team in the championship they did the same as we did yes they don't have a bigger fan base but, but they're not to get through a playoff final and they've been they in the Premier League in the last three or four years, five years you know, mm. in Wembley. Mm. So they've seen it done. I know probably it's only Hodge who's probably still there since mm. then. But they should be going in full of confidence and they mm. should be the favourites. This is Forrest's first time at Wembley in 20 mm. odd years. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much rising on the game, obviously, for both clubs financially, and it opens the door for Forrest mm. to keep their better players, Brennan included, potentially. Let's ask John about that. <laughs> <laughs> just one of those things that we don't ever think about anything. He's contracted to the club. Mm. In fact, the manager's contract's up at the same time. We just want to so get going Sunday. together. <laughs> we want to get Sunday out of the way. And then hopefully the result at Sunday is a great one. And, mm. you know, then we probably sit back down with the football club again. But mm. we don't worry about that anymore. It's just let's. This is the last game. There's a big job to do, mm. and it's not just for my son. But if we get to the Premier League, it's a completely different conversation with every single player, not mm. just Brennan. Mm. So that kind of led into my next question. I mean, how do you, as players, you've been there in high pressure games yourselves. How do you put that out of the back of your mind? Because you want nerves help, but you don't want fear. How do you go into it in the right mindset, Johnny? Well, I see, like Prutz has been there, you, you, they've played each other three times. They know each other inside and out. 
it's a one-off 19 minutes game. And when we got to the playoffs, we played Barnsley and we beat them in both games, home and away. The confidence was there, but we always knew they could score goals. And I think that it'll be the same for all the teams that get there, you know, in the season. If you turn up on the day, You've got a fantastic chance. And I don't think players freeze, but like Put says, how do you react when you go 1-0 down? How do you react if you go 2-0 down? You know, there hasn't been a final like that probably since Sunderland and um, Charlton mm. where somebody's come back. It's been very 1-0, 1-0. There's not been big score lines because people do get nervous but I just think it'll be a very good game. I think Huddersfield aren't a team that's going to score three, four goals in, no. you know, like we've done. They keep clean sheets. We try and keep as many clean sheets. I think one goal might see it. Mm. What about you, Prots? I mean, you've had highs and lows on the pitch where, where your head has gone, hasn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah. How, how ex- do you stop that? Exactly. And I, um, that that's, that's, I suppose that's what separates a, a, a very top professional footballer from from other professional footballers who are then separated from people that don't do it as a living is is being able to manage that expectation to play that very boring saying about playing the game not the occasion. Um, I was at uh, Sunderland Wickham on Saturday, and that's what Sunderland did. A goal at that time really does help ease the nerves. Yeah, the the kind of, there was the odd chance for Wickham, which um, on another day. Uh, it goes in and it changes the makeup of the game. But I spoke to Gareth Ainsworth afterwards, and Gaz is a lovely fella and a, and a fantastic manager. Gave him a big hug, but he said to me, the better team won. The better team that dealt with the situation won. Yeah. Um, and speaking to Alex Neal before the game, um, very measured. Still the element, though, of knowing that it's not a great day out if you don't end up being the, the team that wins. And having had um, a taste of, of a League One final with, with Leeds, where so we, we turned up, so we'd gone down the day before, we stayed over and we got to Wembley. That kind of traditional hour and a half, two hours before kickoff. And the Leeds end was full, absolutely chock-a-block. And even spilling over into where the Donny fans were. And the Donny fans were there. And um, and I don't think it's disrespectful or inaccurate to say that the fan bases of the two are, there is a size discrepancy. We I think we all know that. Yeah. Um, but... It, the difference was in the players on the pitch. They turned up, performed, and won. We turned up, didn't perform, didn't win. And it, it, it sound you make it sound really straightforward now, and how um, and how um, straightforward it is to, to of what's needed. Steve Cooper knows that he's got a set of players that he can rely on. They played in some big games. They've outperformed Premier League teams. They've dealt with uh, the atmosphere at the City Ground, which even even Steve said, didn't it? One of the, was it the first home game. Second home game where he was getting ready, and then, then as Muller of Kintyre belted out, even he kind of went, was shaken out of where he was and just got lost in the moment. And then almost said he had to snap himself back into thinking, yeah. Oh, Christ, no, I'm the manager now, aren't I? I'm not listening to yeah. that anymore. I need to concentrate what's on the pitch. So there's going to be an element of that because it'll be, the atmosphere will be, it'll be unbelievable. Given out that they've never seen, Forest have never seen the new <laughs> Wembley, have they? That's no. ridiculous. No. They've not been in the Premier League in a, in a generation. Um, so there's so much riding on it, but for those young players like Brennan, like Jed, there's all the players such as Steve Cook and Joe Worrell. I mean, what it must mean to Joe Worrell going into this game, 
boxes in my head because he did a speech. He, I'll, I'll tell you this: they did a, a speech to all the players, and it was Joe Yatesy and Brennan, hmm. and the manager got them up and was just saying, "Listen, you, you're Nottingham. This this is what it actually means to these boys." And Joe got up, and Joe was that emotional, started crying, and he was just saying. You don't understand how much it means to me, my wow. family, the people I went to school with, Jane, the people who live here, work here. And it was, and it went through the whole team. And mm. if you don't have people like that in your football club, mm. they don't understand. They, it, it's You're an employee, it's just mm. another job. And it means the world to those. But it, for other players as well, this is the mm. chance for them to get to the big time to... Well, have those cup games every week. Absolutely life changing. And yeah. you do need a core of homegrown players, and they have mm. got that. And I think they're the ones that will probably carry a lot of burden, but with a lot of pride as well. And we'll just go out and hopefully perform in the day. But mm. that, that's that. Well, that's the real test now, isn't it? Because yeah. that we talk about it and, and around it, and and all the media speculation, and I'm sure. And again, from from anyone that's watching the game on TV, it, it's. It, we're straying into David Johnson TV territory here because before, like, once you know Brennan's playing, I, the director gets on the phone and says, do you know where John was sitting? I said, give me a minute, I'll go and find out where he's sat. And, and it's me stood in the crowd like trying to count across. I think he's in row J with yeah. the people over there. Um, but, and, and that's that's everything around it. But it, the most important thing that happens on the pitch on on Sunday, in, in order, the two most important things is result than performance. Yeah. If... if, if if it's horrible, if it's scrappy, if it's and 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 this is went with no disrespect to Huddersfield Town, they went up through the playoffs with a negative goal difference, with the last penalty kick of a penalty shootout in the playoff final, which yeah. that transformed that football club. That no one cares how they got there. The fact that they got up and got into the Premier League, that's the most important thing. It'd be wonderful if you're a Forest fan and you're watching it and it's the beautiful game. You know what I mean? Yeah. John was watching on as Brennan puts his third in and and, and all that type of stuff. <laughs> But if it is attritional, dull, and if it is like just really battering at each other, then as long as the result but, but, comes, it, but that's, and that, the, that's the most important thing. Isn't it? I think this Huddersfield are a lot more exciting and they're, yeah. they're technically they're better, more expansive, definitely. Yeah, 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 and they've got quality from wide areas and very good players. And I don't think it'll be a dull game. Um, and you know, we've got pace, and I, I think it'll be a good playoff game. I don't believe that the team that I don't believe we could play like we did against Sheffield United and win the game. Mm. I think that they're better than that. And I think it'd be a really intriguing game where I think there will be goals, but it will just be separated by one, uh, you know, lapse of concentration. I'd love it if we won three or four nil, but it ain't going to happen. Cooper, Cooper's unbelievable man manager. I mean, when was that speech then, Jono, from Warhol? Was that uh, before the I, second leg? I, I think, that speech was a couple of weeks ago, before Bournemouth, I think it was. Yeah. So before that, he got, you know, all the parents, um, himself, all the parents to write a message. So every time the players go into their locker room, there's a message in wow. all their lockers. Yeah. Hmm. So every day they go into training, there's a message there. And Alison says, oh, you know, what should we write? And I say, yeah. Uh, 
Take the bins out when you get back, yeah. clean your Put room. Put the toilet seat down when you go for a piss. <laughs> you do this. And, but no, and every single one of them you can see in the dress. You probably obviously can't see. But it must mean a lot. And some obviously have got pictures of the families mm. and things in there. But there's little details of the manager and his man management is just frightening. But he got, yeah. he got a sense, he, he actively, and I think you, we were discussing this, Matt, before. He actively went out of his way to go and embrace everything about it. I was, we were down, weren't we, chatting, and we'd seen yeah. him in the uh, car park afterwards. He was off to go and watch a, a, a U-team game, I think. Well, I can't remember where he was going, but he'd, um, he, he, he'd made a beeline for the like the, the legends of the club, like we, yeah. you know, the, the men that have we, made that place. What we had is. a barbecue and, on Saturday, and yeah. they were all there. Really? All, all sat on the table. They were all there, all invited. John Robertson, Ian Story, Moore, all sat on the table. And then you had the players. And it's funny that they had like bouncy castles and stuff for the kids. But all the players were playing cricket. <laughs> <laughs> Dads were getting in, all sorts. <laughs> and it was just really, really relaxed. And the that, that's, kept... that's, I mean, John, and from your point of view of yeah. the clubs you played at, that's not. That's not the norm, is it? That's, Never happened. That's not Never what happened happens when I was across there. the board. Never happened with a family or anything. And he's just, he, he, he was showing me a picture of him and his son walking around. And he said, this means more to me than anything for him to actually see and be able to, you know, watch what we were doing. And he just said, it's all about family. And it was so nice for the family to be invited to this, you know, barbecue and, you know, for me, it was like, how are you doing, Jane? You know, how's things? And <laughs> now she's serving my son. And, yeah, it was lovely <laughs> to be back. And it's not a normal thing. And uh, it's that team spirit that hopefully, that you know, will get them over the line. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm conscious of the time. And I don't want to keep you too long. There's two things I want to ask you both before we go. Well, one, I've got to ask John. You won't know the answer to this one, perhaps. Um <laughs> We say that, obviously, Forrest haven't played at Wembley for 30 years. But Brennan has. And obviously, it didn't quite go how he wanted last season with Lincoln. But how does that experience stand him in good stead or bad stead? It was a, it was really strange because it didn't bother me. I wanted him to win. I wanted Lincoln to get through because I actually think that Lincoln would have probably done better in the championship. Mm. But I knew he was coming back to Forest, and. I just wanted him to really enjoy the occasion. And there was only 10,000 of each fans. It started off well, but the better team won on the day. Mm. And that was Blackpool. Mm. And Mm. we left. We drove back to the hotel. The players were all sat there. They're all saying their goodbyes. And that was it. It was Mm. done. And I can't say it was a good experience or a bad experience, but he played at Wembley. It was an enjoyable one unless you win. And, you know, he wasn't at that football club. So it, it won't be the same as in playing for, you know, his hometown club. Mm-hmm. Um, the last topic, and I'll answer this as well, about, um, I mean, are Forest ready for the Premier League? And I, I'll answer first. I, I think they are. And I think they could do better than Fulham and Bournemouth if they go up next season. I mean, obviously, part of that's contingent on your boy staying, David, because I think he can do <laughs> 10 goals and 10 assists. But I think Cooper is such an asset that he's such a top manager. And Forrest, he's shown he can play differently to Fulham and Bournemouth and win games five or six different ways. If Forrest can go up and invest wisely and keep the bulk of this squad, I think they could do pretty much what Brentford have done. But maybe, am I being overly optimistic there, Prutz? What do you think? I think, let's not underestimate what the gulf is because it's 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 
and and John, I will come on to John in a sec because he, he's he's got experience of different levels of football across the world uh, with regards to the kind of hierarchy and how it, how it all kind of operates. But there's a certain part of the Premier League which is 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 not on another planet. It's a it's a different universe of football with regards to the approach, with regards to the financial clout, with regards to them being like years ahead of other teams. Um, and you you look at the, the finger getting pointed at Everton, half a billion quid spent and finishing just above the dotted line. Leeds United went up, took everyone by surprise, got slightly found out in the second season, have been helped by the fact that there's three teams underneath them that weren't, you know, I mean, that were worse than what they were. Burnley ran it obviously very, very close. Brentford have adapted the way that they approach playing a football match because they were a very attractive team on the eye. I think they soon found out that sometimes being pretty in the Premier League means that you get pumped and they sorted yeah. that out and brought a bit more directness to the way that they go about it. Um, and for Forest, I think there's, there's a there's a squad there that collectively with the, with the, with the, the kind of the collective being greater than the sum of its parts and playing out of the skin every single week, like Leeds did in the first season back in the Premier League, can compete. And that that's no way to approach the next three, four, five years if Forrest get back into the Premier League. They need a, a bigger squad. They'll need um, an, an improvement in the level of players. And again, no disrespect to the players that are there because there are similarities to the way that Sheffield United would have gone up with players that have been there for a while and got there themselves as a team. The same with Leeds getting themselves as a team. The same way Bournemouth back in the day got themselves there as a team. Burnley bouncing out and bouncing straight back in. Newcastle, what they did to get back into the side. But there has got to be an evolution at some point because it's an absolutely brutal and unforgiving place to play football. Um, the good thing is with Steve as well, the way that he wants to approach a football match and the way that he can also work the recruitment arm. There's not many players that have gone to Forest under him and not become better. You'll have Premier League teams in the top six, top ten going, well, hang on, if they come up, I've got no qualms about sending him to Forest or this player to Forest because his football education will be um, kind of brought on. But again, John, I'm intrigued to you because the teams and and, and given what you've done post football that you've te- that you've seen up close and personal, it, some of it is feels like it's on a different planet. Yeah, I think you know I've worked at Chelsea and I worked at Leicester and I saw how Leicester worked um, and. They weren't ready to win the Premier League mm. and it caught them out by surprise massively as then the season after they had an extra 10 games, then they had extras and they never had enough players. Mm. And it wasn't just the players in the first team. The under-19s played in the Champions League. Then the under-18s had to do something. And then they went to Cap 1. They were about 25 players short. Mm. And... That's from the success of that. So when you go to the Premier League, the academy, our academy, is nowhere near uh, Premier League standard. It's Cat 1 standard, but it's not Premier League standard. We'd need double the staff. We'd need so much more. But on the playing side, it's all about recruitment. It's all about Mm. the players. And unfortunately, a lot of our core players who've made a huge impact this year aren't our actually our players. Yeah, that's another thing. So you either have to... Spend your budget getting those back in, or thinking to yourself, 
can I get better value for money? And then then it's going to be a year of bedding in how the players go to a league that's so unforgiving, it's frightening. So then the squad has to be improved. And I believe the bottom three and where Forest are now is actually quite close. I believe if we played Norwich tomorrow, I think that I think we'd give them a massive game and I fancy it's Peter. When then you go from fourth and fifth to bottom, mm-hmm. you go Everton, wow. Yeah. And then you go Burnley Leeds, tough game. We you know played them, we've always had good results. And then you think you get Southamptons and <laughs> you Brentford and you go, Well, we've got to compete in that little tiny league. Mm. And that is a huge jump. And that's where I feel that you get less games in the Premier League as well. You don't get 40-odd games to stay in the league. You get 30-something. And that's where I think, like Prutzi says, it's a massive jump. And when you lose in the Premier League and then you go, oh, it's all right, we're at home against Man, Man City. Oh, right. <laughs> we'll, we'll give them two minutes. Yeah. Oh, somebody else will jump. It, it, there's no hiding place. And then the pressure from the outside in, how the players cope. And, you know, Sky have been unbelievable. But there's Monday night football. You know, Brennan can switch the TV off after nine o'clock on Saturday and it's forgotten about. And then the next game's on a Tuesday. You can't do that in the Premier League. The pressure from all around is huge. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting food for thought. I've obviously got to get there first. So... I think we should end it there because we kept everyone for an hour. Thanks to everyone who watched along and dropped uh, many, many, many comments on, uh, which we do appreciate. And Prutz reads them all, which I didn't realise. <laughs> but as long as it's not you, like, secretly sandbagging me, Matt, I don't mind. Yeah. Like, you've got all these alter egos. I can't believe you said that. What's it? <laughs> the, the, the thing that I love about that is, is and, I, I, it, it, and again, it seems like we get to a certain stage in this where it's almost like, um, let Prutz say his little bit at the end. This is absolutely is what, football is about and when you get into the media side of it this is this is absolutely it it's about um opinions it's about debate it's about good chat and 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 and, and reasoning really isn't it because that that's exactly what it's all about and again we sat on that platform they're all singing to, to Michael Dawson is one of our own, and you know what? Dawson is a big Labrador of a man. Yeah. You just want to ruffle his hair and give him a cuddle because he's, yeah. like he's like the nicest dude ever. And because on the other occasion, I might have said that Forrest might not have won a game. There'll be like a lot people walking out, some blanking you, some wave. You'll get you get the you get the very forceful opinion which you're hoping doesn't get picked up on the mic and all that type. But you understand it's it's all part of that, and it's the partisan nature of what football is. And you don't you don't get. The passion, you don't get the pride, you don't get the wonderful sense of community and goosebumps without people genuinely giving a proper what's it about their team, and that's what you love about it. And yeah, and and again, and John, I know all about it as much as I do. He was always quite robust as well when it came to taking opinion and giving opinion. I remember we had a chat about you being on loan at Millwall, and even the home fans, you kind of going, "You do know I'm playing for you, don't you?" <laughs> Just to clarify that that's. That's what, yeah, uh, but that's a different thing altogether. But no, it's uh, it's just a great game that I'm looking forward to, and it's going to make it one hell of a noise. We're about ninety thousand people there on 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 Sunday. What a phenomenal place to finish the season, and if they finish it in the right way, yeah, then um, more power to them. Yeah, well, I've never been. I can't wait. I said I only go and watch Forest at Wembley. I'm not that bothered about England. But... So you've got tickets, Matt? Have you? Did you get them off Jono? You, as you said, you pressed them. <laughs> <in> <laughs> the, the I, well, I hope I haven't got. To, I hope I've got a press pass. I've applied and haven't heard back yet. So it's yeah, nice. The press room in there. The food's nice. I was. Well, I look should, forward to it. Should be kite on um, 
Yeah. So how many ticket requests have you had, Johnny? 2,000? Uh, <laughs> usually my wife um, sorts the tickets out. But obviously, Brennan, they're Brennan's tickets. They're not ours. So if Brennan wants his mates to go, they go. And that's the end of story. So he has the tickets and he decides which ones are going. And, and then we usually have, uh, you know, sort the rest out. But it's just been ridiculous, you know, people who I thought were mates and hadn't spoke to in years. <laughs> oh, I'm just going, seriously? Do, wow. does, just just to be, before you go on, go, John, does Brennan still live at home? Yeah. Does he? Oh, he's just gone out for his breakfast. Presumably play, he pays board. Do You do no. charge him on a weekly basis no. for his washing no. and his iron. No, no. What? Because what had happened You're was, soft, when dude. the girls were here, it was the same with them. If one paid, they all paid. So they all agreed, no, no, none of us will pay. <laughs> That's how soft the bomb was. So, no. John and because uh, when I when I I texted um, Alison the other day after seeing yeah. her at the game, and she sent a picture back with Brennan le- le- like just leaning against her on the sofa, and I was thinking, he still lives at home, doesn't he? That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Years old. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get mine out by sixty. What, what, <laughs> well, what do you do? Like, come on, well, tap well, on the watch. Come on, the, the girls have just moved. And one lives, you know, two streets away, and the other one lives there. They still come in every day and say, "What's with tea?" Or, you know, "Mom, can you do me washing?" And I think so. Put your own. Key? Why you got our key for? Give yeah. me the back. <laughs> give me the. That's it. You go on. It's give me the key nice back. Go cool. on. See you. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. You never. You never free, Jono. You never no, free. Never. Sorry. <laughs> right. Uh, really appreciate that uh, for Cheers. everyone who watched along. Jono Prots uh, very much enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, do like and subscribe. Uh, we had record viewing figures for our last episode, so hopefully this surpasses that. And then the Wembley Celebration podcast, Touchwood, will oh, surpass yeah. that again. That's the plan. So everyone enjoy the day and uh, here's to a forest win. We shall see you soon.